0: Just wait a minute. we got a job for you. <laughs> I don't want no job. Why not? It's too much, too much like work, man.
1: Listen, this is strictly nowhere. you got a lot of sick, old-fashioned ideas about working hard and living clean, and it's all a lot of junk.
0: I'm too tired to listen. I mean, work is for suckers. You know, I like my job, Skipper. I wouldn't want to lose it.
1: This is Chris T., and this is Job Story number 10. Job Story is a podcast about bad bosses, effed-up freelance garbage gigs, tepid temps, and toxic teams. Send your job story to jobstorypod at gmail.com or go to my Facebook group facebook.com slash groups jobstorypod and uh, on this job story I interview Jimmy Putnam All-American about jobs in the food service industry and there's some commentary from me as well. Don't forget Job story now available on many platforms besides iTunes and SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. You can now hear Job story on all of these platforms: Google Podcasts, the Google Play Store, on Pippa, and uh, Pippa is my new podcast host. By the way, Pippa.io/slash Job story. Pippa.io/slash Job story. It's kind of a website for this podcast. Also available now on Stitcher and Spotify and YouTube. All those places you can hear Job Story. Right now, here's some commentary from me that appeared in the newsletter. See you next Tuesday. If you would like to sign up for my weekly newsletter, drop me a line again at jobstorypod at gmail.com. Day 77, Friday. It's pushing up on 90 days since I was let go. I've been up and down this week. It's good to keep busy, which I've tried to do, but it sometimes feels I'm doing so to avoid contending with feelings of worthlessness. I spoke with my friend Andy in Seattle last night, and he quoted a line from the film American Splendor. Paul Giamatti as Harvey Picar wakes up in a cold sweat and calms himself by saying, It's okay. You have a job. You have a job. Andy, to his credit, understands the value of showing up somewhere regularly, putting in a full day, and receiving a paycheck twice a month. Sweet tea is right to point out that one's self-worth is intrinsic, not attached to what they do for a living. I had worth before that job and still have worth after that job, but in a capitalist society, one's worth is also measured in dollars and cents, in one's ability to earn. Andy also pointed out that being unemployed and looking for work is a numbers game. The more resumes and cover letters I send out, the better my odds at finding something. I've been trying to average one application per day. I keep track of them in a file on my phone. Some potential employers get back to you, let you know that despite your capabilities, you aren't a good fit. Most do not. You're left in limbo, wondering if your materials were even seen by any decision makers. There must be a better way, right? Maybe it's time for me to find a coach who can look at what I'm doing and help. About help, Don't offer to help your jobless friends because it makes you feel better. Offer to do so because you actually know about a job or someone hiring. Of the friends who've offered to put me together with someone, only one introduction via a casual acquaintance led somewhere. It got me an audition to read audiobooks. That was more than a month ago. On Thursday, I reached out to the person with whom I auditioned. No word yet. It could be summer doldrums. It could be something else. I await word, but I've also begun recording my own writing in my new vocal booth. I'm familiar with reading my own and others' writing on the air and believe audiobooks could be a good fit for me. It's a competitive space, and I'll need to market myself more. Am I up to the challenge? There's only one way to find out. Day 80. Mondays have become busy. I bang out the See You Next Tuesday newsletter and now the Job Story podcast. They don't need to both land on a Tuesday. It just worked out that way. When I started the newsletter, it was a means to an end, getting more people to listen and donate to my old WFMU show, Aerial View, which aired Tuesday nights, 6 p.m. After I ended my involvement with WFMU, I wanted to stay in touch with the Aerial View listenership. The newsletter seemed the best way to do that because my actual radio job existed behind a paywall. If you didn't subscribe to Satellite Radio, you wouldn't hear me. Some of you did. Most of you did not. You probably never will. Though WFMU has archives going back to almost the beginning of the internet, and you can easily find shows of mine from decades ago, Aerial View, Communication Breakdown, The Nightmare Lounge, there are no archives of the talk show I did on satellite radio for more than a dozen years. If any audio exists online, it's been put there surreptitiously. The thing I've always known about radio, its ephemeral nature, is the part that kills me. Once a broadcast ends, it's generally never thought of again. It's in the ether. There is so much new content coming over the transom daily that the thought of listening to something old is anathema to most. Exceptions exist. Some of you might have sought out Dan Ingram air checks when he recently merged with The Infinite, or the odd interview or live music performance? How many of you delve into the past when there's a deluge every day? Yes, the rise of podcasting means we can easily go back and listen to something we missed long after it debuted. That's an offsetting appeal of the podcast realm. I still deduct points for a lack of live interaction with listeners. There are podcasters who regularly open the phones, but it's not easy. And you can't cast as wide a net. What I did on a daily basis for many years is inaccessible. The flights of absurdity, phone calls from far flung listeners, moments of true empathy, careening interviews, unbridled laughter, and copious tears. They sit on CDs or in a hard drive somewhere, unloved and likely never listened to again. It's heartbreaking. I was good at what I did. Live radio was my passion. This is why I continue to envy writers. Their record exists. Their work persists long after the grid fails and we can no longer view or listen to anything electronic. We can pick up a book and read what was set in print eons ago. We can stage a playwright's work. We can strum a songwriter's music. I try to console myself with the zen aspect. All is in permanence of live radio, my forte. But it's hard to now accept that a whole body of work is here and gone.
0: Give me a cup of coffee. Anything else? Yeah, what else you got that ain't poisonous? I don't know. I never eat here.
1: Hey, welcome to Job Story. I'm Chris T., and I'm speaking today with uh, Jimmy Putnam, All-American. Ha, ha, ha,
0: ha, ha,
1: who uh, I happen to know through Sweet Tea. And after last week's job story, which focused on summer jobs, Sweet Tea said to me, you know who you should talk to? You should talk to Jimmy. He's had some summer jobs. And uh, not just summer jobs, but but lots of different kinds of jobs. Since you started working, at and, and what age did you earn your first income? Would you say
0: i was uh 15 years old and uh came up to spend the summer with my dad and actually at wintertime, uh, we were up for christmas vacation i worked at the house of scott's they were a friend of ours and they do a big they were doing a big new year's eve party and they needed somebody to wash dishes and i thought it was like the greatest i'm like this is so cool somebody's gonna pay me to do something and uh, I think I went in at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, got done at like 1 or 2 in the morning, and they gave me 100 bucks, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm rich. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of money in the 70s, a lot of money now. Yeah, so that's how my career in the restaurant industry started, and then uh, they asked me, you know, we go up there to spend the summers if I wanted to wash dishes for the summer, and I'm like, yeah. So that's how I started in the restaurant biz.
1: I think you and me have that in common. I mean, my first real <laughs> job, official job, was at this, this bakery on Wellwood Avenue in Lindenhurst, and the first job at the bakery was washing everything. That's where they stick right, you first. Right. They put They put you at the sink. And a friend of mine had a horrible allergic reaction to whatever hands, whatever toxic hand soap they were using at the time. Right. Because that was back when people didn't give a shit about organic this or natural I, that.
0: I remember my hands getting raw.
1: Yeah. Yeah, In you'd come early,
0: on. I remember my hands would get raw. Right. And skin right. would peel and... Did they give you any gloves at least? <laughs> oh, back then? Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't an option. But did no you get used gloves for anything?
1: The thing is, I got really good at washing dishes. I mean, I could bang I those have, suckers out, and not just dishes, but in a bakery, you got to wash, you know, all the metalware and everything else. So right? Did, did you get good? do right. You get good at washing dishes.
0: I'll tell you, um, and it's so funny because I'm still working. You know, in the summer I still work in a restaurant, and I have no problem at my age. Washing dishes at all. I happen to find it very cathartic. I always enjoyed it. I don't know. It's because I'm a Pisces. I like the law. I don't know. I. It's you know why? Because nobody bothers you. You just. It's methodical. You don't have to think. You just do it. I find it very
1: like a Zen. You know, you can contemplate other things while you're doing it. Yeah. There you go.
0: Exactly. And and I tell everyone. You know, in the restaurant there we're at, we actually have four when we're busy. We've got four. You know, four guys and girls working. And I had one kid that you know, he was 17. He made it through one night and he's like, "This is hard." I'm like, "Yeah, it's hard. you know, it's <laughs> it's work, dude." Yeah. Um and he lasted one night. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's and I I it's so funny cuz I tell like all these young people who if they're going to work in the restaurant business, it's like, "You know what? If you can wash dishes, you can go work anywhere in the, if you were down and you can go work anywhere in this country and wash dishes and make money and make a not big money but you can survive right you know it's like a right. skill that you have the rest of your life you know there's nothing to be ashamed of if you got to go back and wash dishes you know just do it well you know with anything do it well you know
1: so, so. Uh, what what did you progress to from there how did you end up uh you know in the front of the house or on the floor and
0: uh, Let's see. Okay, from there, <laughs> there I went to work at another restaurant, and down the road where a lot, of my friend, a lot of my friends worked. In fact, I think we all worked, pretty much worked there. And we had, like, an eight-person line, but we all, almost all of us, we all started washing dishes. Everybody during the summer, you you wash dishes first, which, like I said, I think is a great base. You know, you learn the restaurant, you learn, you know, you just, you, you know, it's a good start it humbles you too you know it makes you want it makes you want to move up the ladder <laughs> you know? right so uh right. next the next job uh was a restaurant down the road uh we had i think 8 people on the line and you washed dishes and when they thought you were good enough at washing dishes you moved into the food part so you did salads and you did desserts and if you did well at salads and desserts then you moved up the line you were on the slicer all day which i found out that uh Anyone under the age of 18 can no longer use a slicer. And we were like 14, 15 years old just slicing all day long. Oh, you mean they, they can't to, use a they're slicer? They're not even allowed to touch them. <laughs> really?
1: Because they might chop off a finger or some damn thing? Is it, that why?
0: Exactly. In wow. fact, that if a girl, one of the girls I work with split her thumb. You know, I'm just like, suck it up. Put a bandit on and get back to work. We have people <laughs> to feed. Um, you know, it's just what we did. So then, you know, like I said, you worked... Uh, you, then you're on the slicer all day, and then if you're good on that, you moved up to the oven and the microwaves, and then if you're good on that, they moved you onto the line part. Uh, wait a minute. And I think one, I just when, thought.
1: I I think I just thought of a slogan. Tell me if this is already in use. But uh, f- you know, feed then bleed, or bleed after you <laughs> feed. Is there anything I like never. that in the restaurant industry, or no? <laughs> Does, yeah,
0: there's no. There's no crying in restaurants. Oh my <laughs> god.
1: Um, you know, I. Um, I did a little bit of work in the food service industry. I was at the bakery probably for a year and a half, 2 years. There was a time when I thought I might become a baker, it might be my career, but I couldn't take the hours, the getting up really early. Right. And right. then I also worked a, at a uh, at a seafood restaurant down at the end of my block called Southside Fish and Clam, Home of the Twin Lobster Dinner. And uh, there, I did. That's what I did. I bust tables and I wash dishes, and I think I lasted all of two weeks there. I couldn't take it. Um, So you know, it's it's kind of a short. What's the secret to like longevity in the in the food service industry?
0: Uh, uh, You need to pay your rent. (laughs) That's I think that's (laughs) when I was coming up. No matter what I was doing, like either in the kitchen or out front, in fact I learned more out front from, there was the old guard. There were the old waiters and waitresses who knew what service was and knew how to make money. They knew every trick and the, they knew everything about getting the, most, the biggest tip and they no longer exist. These people, the, the restaurant industry today is so different. From when I was there, you know, from when we were coming up, and you know, I go back to this restaurant where we had to work our way up, and I worked there for three years, and we all learned how to do every. We learned uh, the best thing that I learned from that place was that we had a work ethic, which I find very lacking today in today's young people. It just really it's doesn't. It's funny to hear you ex- say this because doesn't exist.
1: A friend of mine out in Seattle, I was talking to him the other night. This guy Andy. And I was relating to him my woes, you know, with searching for work now. And I was complaining about how, you know, I feel like as an older person at this point, I'll be 56 in September. I wonder if a lot of these places are looking for, you know, older people or if they would hire an older person. And uh, never thought I'd have to contend with this, uh, obviously. Right. But, but he said something really important. He said, look, you know, we're of that generation where we go to work and we put our heads down and we do the job and they pay us and today that doesn't happen a lot I mean a lot of these kids are just not used to grinding it out and doing the job I mean you're you're saying you find the same in the restaurant industry
0: oh my unbelievable Um, I find that in year four of this restaurant I'm more tolerant but I also see that we've got some very very good kids coming you know they're with their busters and food runners Uh, most of our staff are foreign kids working here for the summer we had i was talking to the owner of the restaurant we did not have one single american high school or college kid apply for a job at our restaurant so we have to fill it with foreign kids coming over here from they're from kazakhstan and russia uh... we've got people from turkey the village itself would not run without these people because high school and college kids do not want to work anymore in the summertime. And if they do, you have to work around their schedule, and they're going on vacations with their parents, which I never knew was an option. that I could take That's off two weeks in the middle of summer and go on a vacation with my parents. I'm 59 years old. I've never been on a vacation in my life. <laughs> but, but obviously, this is, you're able to do, I'm like, why didn't I think of this? I um, mean, you know, it's just, it's, it's crazy. But like I said, we've got the, the young people that we do have, are really, really good. And I found that this year, uh, the first two years, I was so annoyed because every one of them would be on their cell phone. Wow. Whether they were working on the line, whether they were washing dishes, whether they were busting tables. Um, And I, as a boss, it's like, you know what? I'm not paying you to be on your phone. Your friends should know you're working. Your friends should be working. What the hell do you have to talk about? I know as an adult, when I go to work... I'm at work. So unless there's a death in the family, and this is the way it's always been for me, we were not allowed to get phone calls at work or make phone calls unless it was an absolute emergency. Yeah. Not you know. Did you see what Beyonce's wearing? Or, oh my or I don't god! Know I mean, that's I'm so out of touch with what they could possibly be talking about. But
1: you know. I know uh, we're talking with Jimmy Putnam, All American, who uh, works up in the resort area of Lake George and has worked at a, a bunch of different restaurants around the area. Let's digress for a minute to any other work you tried. When have you gone away from? the food service industry and did you enjoy it did you find it fulfilling did you come back after a while thinking yeah i don't want to do that anymore
0: i do many 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 other things i always come back to well the only reason i come back to the food industry is it's still one of the industries where i can go and get a job no matter what
1: quickly too i mean if you you know yeah, you, you could be yeah. hired within it it's always
0: a, it's always in demand you know but if this law passes with uh Paying everyone fifteen dollars an hour you're going to see a lot of closed restaurants It's going, going to be end of the end of restaurants because people just can't afford to do that. Pay all their employees like that and I see Sarah Jessica Parker and all these other people. They need to shut their mouths unless they're in you know, unless they're working for tips. You know, and try to pay the rent. You need to be quiet. Don't tell. Don't tell restaurants how to run their business. You're saying that gonna, this, it, this
1: guaranteed minimum wage of fifteen dollars an hour is going to cause the closure of of a lot of it's restaurants. It's going to
0: cause the closure of many many restaurants. They cannot afford it. They they will not be able to afford to run their restaurant. Wow. And this is yeah, like
1: what are people earning now? By the way, what my mind. What are people earning now? What's what's a minimum wage, and then. What do you uh, what do you hope to I
0: think I think in the kitchen on the line I'm just I'm just taking a guess from you know what I know what I make and I'm making 14 an hour on the line uh, I think dishwashers are making 12 okay McDonald's are paying you know and wherever they're paying them 15 <laughs> I don't know uh, I, I it depends on your experience I've been offered more right I could have gone, I could go work at another restaurant and I do that And this, you know, when I fill in, like in the fall, I'll, before I go out on the road, I will fill in there. It's just, it's not worth it. The stress level is, it's just a very stressful place to work. So I'd rather make less money and be with people that I enjoy and right. uh, just, it makes sense. You know, I don't need the stress in my life. It's just. <laughs> But um, other jobs, I've had a million other jobs.
1: Okay, well, um, let's let's focus in on one where you started the job full of hope and brimming with good wishes, and then within a matter of weeks or months, you were like, if I don't leave here, this place is going to kill me. I know there are a lot of other podcasts where you can get positive, uplifting stories of right. career development, I, but I, I I'm trying to go in a different direction here. I'm trying to to hone in on those jobs with the bad bosses and lots of garbage that you're forced to eat while at the job and and find right. out how people survived that stuff and how they they found the resilience to to walk away at some point. So what was the job that began to drive you crazy?
0: I think it was when I was a resident support staff at a group home for people who are HIV positive. Mm-hmm. And I was so... I, in fact... Uh, it was a year-round job in a very small town. Uh, they were very sought after, but it was also in the field that, you know, was kind of what I was doing. And uh, I think like 40 people interviewed for the job, and I came in fourth. They were hiring three people, and I came in fourth. So, But the person they hired uh, left like after seven or eight months because he wanted to go. Walk barefoot through the world and, and see. I don't know what he did. Yeah, I don't know what he did, but it was a good thing for me because then I got a job. And it was always challenging. Mm-hmm. Absolutely always challenging.
1: It sounds like one of those jobs you can't leave there when you go home. It comes with you, it comes home with you.
0: It, it does, but it, it also in that town, that was one job, mm-hmm. one full time job. I always worked two full time jobs, I worked 90 hours a week.
1: Dear God. Um
0: so that was one job and then I would go to another job. Yeah, it just got a politics. There were so many rules and regulations of the house when it first opened because of funding. The people who were supposed to live in the house were not the people the house was set up for so we were we were getting a lot of drug addicts and alcoholics and and we were not trained to deal with these people. We had no training and they never did get any training. So it was very it was all it was very stressful, and by the end I was just like you know what I have just had it. I felt like I was being abused and run over, no support. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it's it's you got burned fun. out. And, and there's someone I just one of my coworkers who was actually my superior. One of my superiors I just absolutely despised this human this <laughs> person, and it just ate <laughs> me up that I would have to go in there every day and deal with someone I absolutely loathe you know and it just it made me a really it made me a really bad person i don't you know, know what I mean? that's it really like at all is my head <laughs> 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 and i did i just i would i wanted to vomit every time i looked at her yeah just, listen it, I, I, and that's I, I, not a good way to live Chris. let's you know, let's
1: <laughs> let's as they say let's drill down on that for a minute because i think that's one of the major reasons why people have to leave jobs is because of toxic coworkers they can't take it right. anymore and right. and a lot of people have stayed in jobs with awful people because they needed the paycheck they obviously needed to pay the rent or the mortgage or whatever but Prince, every
0: most most people do yeah
1: you know? I think that most people suffer in silence, and there's really yeah. not a lot you can do about it. I mean, there there's very little sympathy from higher ups when you go to them and say, "Hey, this person is is making me insane. This person has horrible yeah. work habits. This person is shoveling their work onto everybody else, and so on and so forth." Then they don't see that. They don't see that side of it. Right. It's almost like you're being gaslighted. You know, you go and. Try to explain to somebody, right. and then they're like, "Yeah, but I don't understand it. I don't see that at all. We don't see that at all." And you're like, "Well, trust and, me, it's happening." oh
0: boy, you're nailing it!
1: Yeah, <laughs> is it, well, is that what you went you're through? You're nailing it! And, wow,
0: that's a dude. That's that's like. Oh.
1: You also did some hospice care as well, right? Would that was that the same job where you were helping people? Uh, no, this,
0: that was the job. That was a job after. Okay. Um, hospice was. <sighs> I, uh, wow, <laughs> dealing with, uh, wow, that brings back a lot of stuff. I was so, when I started as a home health aide, that's a, where I felt that I was doing good. And I did do, I did do a lot of good. I did a lot of good. The One of the hardest things I've ever done. But when it started with, you know, I was in Provincetown at literally the height of the AIDS epidemic. So every new client I got literally was going to die. It was going to happen eventually. And uh, I just wore... You just wear out because you can't be on all... And, and again, I'd have four clients a day. That was one job. And then I would go work in a store and have to smile and be sweet. And, you know, and you'd have to contend with to people's people. yeah, petty, like you have to, have petty nonsense. Right. And go be a salesperson or work in a restaurant and one of the worst days I ever had was I went to my, one of my favorite clients. I had him from eight to, I was there from eight to 10 in the morning, you know, and then they'd send me to someone else and someone else, and someone else, you know, it was like clockwork. And, um, he wouldn't let go of my hand and he was dying. and He would not let go of my hand and his family was there and he didn't want everything. He wanted me, but to leave. You know, I don't, I don't have a choice. I had to say goodbye and I had to leave. And I went to three other clients, went home, took a quick shower, got dressed, went to work in the shop, and found out that he died like 15 minutes after I left. And it was
1: oh, like, my God. You
0: know, here I am, and I have to stand there and be nice and happy. And, you know, and it's like, it was tough. It was tough. Do but I f- wouldn't, ch- I, I would still do it all over again. I would still definitely do that all over again. Well,
1: are those the but. same qualities that you learned in in the food service industry that made you good at that job? I mean, you, in the food service thing, especially if you're waiting on people, you have to be patient and empathetic, and you have to listen. And were those yeah, skills no, that you no, had? No, no,
0: because I can't... Um... <laughs> No. <laughs> I can't do that. I mean, that's why I can't be a waiter anymore. I mean, okay. I was a very good waiter, but I just don't care anymore. You just um does and It is only... <laughs> <laughs> It has changed. It's changed. I I just wanted to just I just wanted to say just shut up and eat it.
1: You know, you this know, is it's, fun. It's, here's I got to stop you. We're talking with Jimmy Putnam here on Job Story, but I because, you know, we we were just out yesterday having a meal and i i am so uber conscious all the time of the difficult job of waiting on people and and i want to be one of those one of those customers that that doesn't cause any upset or you know ask for anything special or be a pain in the ass in any way and i always want to tip more than the suggested tip i mean i i I think, uh, I mean, I understand how difficult that job is. And I see some people I, acting I, out sometimes yeah. wow. in restaurants and throwing these goddamn hissy fits in public. I mean, have did you ever have a customer just totally unload on you and, and you had to stand there? Or did you ever respond to somebody? I've
0: never had them, like, do it to my... Well, here's my thing. See, I have an ass. And
1: yeah. then when I was
0: younger, I had an even better ass. Mm-hmm. I have been known to... Turn around and drop my pants in the dining room and walk out the door. Done that twice. <laughs> what? Um, I, got no, I got no. That problem sounds so unsanitary. Get <laughs> my ass. I'm leaving. <laughs> 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 and uh, I had a manager run out in the parking lot after me. Just she was laughing hysterically. She goes, I can't believe you did that. What oh, caused? <laughs> what caused
1: the pants dropping? What was the? What was the comment? Or what did they the customer just, do?
0: I just had enough. Yeah. I just I just had enough. Where uh, uh, you know you get these people who are like just so holier than thou. I'm just there to. I just want to bring you your food. I don't want to fight. Right. I don't want to argue. I'm trying to make a. I'm trying to make a living. Right. You know, just because you're having a bad day, don't put it on me. And they do. That happens all the time. Right. And right. you've got the people who are control freaks who have to control everything, and it's like. I just want to bring you your food. That's all. I don't want to be your friend. I don't want. Yeah, I always I could thought be pleasant. You
1: know, if I was going to start a you restaurant, know,
0: we're not going to send Christmas cards. No.
1: <laughs> if I had a restaurant, Jimmy, it would be called "Shut Up and Eat." That would be the That's... name of the restaurant. <laughs> and everybody would just sit in silence and eat their food we take
0: it and get yeah take it and get um <laughs> yeah it's 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 a different it's a totally different industry now and it's very everyone's so entitled everyone has all these special you know it started with gluten-free one person's gluten-free they don't even know what it is but it's it's everything gluten-free right you know it just it's gotten very very complicated and i happen to hear the stories you know from all the people and every day and i could i just i don't have it in me anymore to be that i don't have it in me to be nice anymore and i one of my one of my worst jobs i only lasted a day and it was at the last well it is now the last howard johnson's restaurant in america which is in lake george and i I got a job there as a waiter. So for the morning I got there early, early, like you know, on the floor, seven o'clock in the morning. They trained me in one half of the restaurant, which is like not you know, which is the booth and the counter, whatever. So I followed a waitress all day long. And then they're like, All right, you're ready to go on your own and they have a dining room and they put me in there all by myself and I got this Elderly couple, and they were in there for the the they were in there for the uh, uh, clam, all you can eat clam dinners. Oh yeah. And I'm oh. waiting, and I'm waiting on them, and I think I'm like pretty, you know, doing a really good job. And the lady goes, and they finish their clams and their fries, and she goes, "We want more." I'm like, fine. So I get bring them more clams, and she goes, "What? No French fries?" I go, "What do you expect for three ninety five? You didn't get more French fries. You got more clams. You didn't get more French fries. You didn't get more coleslaw. And she had this this snotty attitude. And I didn't like her face because she was ugly. And um, she goes, well, I want clam chowder. And I'm like, fine. So I go in the kitchen. There's nobody in the kitchen. There's not a single soul in the kitchen. I don't know where everybody went. And I'm looking for clam chowder. I see this big pot on the stove. And I look in it. And there's a big, you know how when you dump a a can out? Right. in can form, like the soup is in can form. So it was a big glob of, uh, big glob of clam chowder just sitting in some milk. And I'm like, you know, uh, I just, I don't know why, I just, I walked out the back door because nobody was, nobody was there. And um, I just left. And you had to, there's behind the restaurant was this big hill and our, our cars were parked up on the hill. I don't know why, I didn't walk up the driveway. I started climbing up this hill on my hands and knees and i was laughing so hard because nobody saw me leave and i could barely get up i could barely get up <laughs> down. and the woman and in the, in the, I just, all I could like think it was this lady just sitting there waiting for her clam chowder. I laughed all the way home. I'm like, I wonder how long it took for them to figure
1: out. Yeah, I wonder, I, oh, now I want to know how long she sat and waited for her goddamn clam chowder. <laughs> oh my God. I Listen, we got to, I want to wrap this up with Jimmy Putnam and ask about the nature of work nowadays because I, you know, I'm fascinated by the subject. I always have been. That's why I wanted to do this podcast and, I mean, it was inspired by me losing my job after 12 years and a month. But it's it's also a, a topic that's always fascinated me because we made this decision many, many years ago. And I mean, humankind made this decision to exchange our labor for money. I mean, we used to just labor. Like, you would go home and you would plow the field or do whatever you needed to do to bring in some food and you would whatever. But then we decided, well, this Industrial Revolution things means we all commute into the city and we all work for cash and then we use that cash to buy things. It it still strikes me as a bad deal
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> on any number of levels, but I, I just read this article the other day about how... Even though we're experiencing record corporate profits, it's not being passed along to the people no, who actually no. do the work. I mean, I, what do you – let's talk about the middle class for a minute because I came from the middle class. I think you came from the middle class. What is the future of the middle class in terms of actually being able to have one in this country based on what these corporations are doing in terms of compensating people fairly?
0: I think people are just going to work the rest of their lives and save as much money as they possibly can without ever maybe reaching the goals that they want to reach. Yeah, Just staying yeah. above, just staying, keeping their head above water. I don't know. I don't think it, I don't know if it exists anymore. I, I, if, it's, if it's, you know, I look at my brother-in-law who's living in, in California right now. He's paying $4,500 a month for a two-bedroom apartment. Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah. How do you do that? You know, and you know what the rents are in New York City, and, and you've got all these little, these little 19-year-old tech kids making $100,000 a year, and they're living five or six in a house. Right. It almost makes me feel better that I live on so, so much less, but I'm doing so much better. Um, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but still, it's like I have no, I have, you know, the thing about working in restaurants and things. I have no retirement. I have no 401K. Those are sort of things that are not available you know unless you're in like a corporate whatever but right. you know most of right. restaurant people you just get old and you die um well <laughs> you worked at one for a long time but it's one of know. those
1: jobs like friends of mine who are carpenters when you're physically unable to do it any longer you have to pivot to something else or you have to yeah do what i mean what happens to to old restaurant workers who can't you know physically hack the work any longer what do they do
0: you have your social security. Mm. That's about it. Yeah. I, I mean, it really, it's, 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 it's that, and that's even terrifying. I mean, I'm seriously considering retiring to Mexico. Wow. Um, and selling the house and selling the property when it's time, because I'll be able to live comfortably. Right. You know, I won't yeah. have to, I don't want to be a greeter at Walmart. I, like I said, I have no retirement. I literally have no retirement, but social security and the properties that I own. I'm actually not freaking out about it either, though. And I thought, you know, I think most people would, but I don't know. For some reason, I'm very hopeful this week.
1: <laughs> oh, well, I don't want to and bash went, that. You know,
0: and you and I haven't talked, and because I read what you wrote, and I know what you don't want to hear. You know, Chris, you are you are reinventing yourself, and for some reason, that choice was made for you. Um, right. You know what I mean? Right. And, and I know you're going through tons of, tons of crap. Well, it's funny. Uh, it's no, funny there's... you
1: say this because I just was writing about passion. You know, uh, Sweet Tea sent me an article from the Atlantic about why following your passion is nonsense and people get themselves in trouble because you don't know what you're passionate about until you go and do it and try right. it. And so I was writing about that. And I was writing about how you know, start with this podcast. I've found something to be passionate about again because it is a new form for me. I mean, I dabbled in it before, but this is sort of a new thing, and I'm learning a lot, and I'm right, finding out right. about this process. I mean, to me, the best parts of what I did in my broadcast career was interacting with callers, which is why I wanted to get right. on the phone with you and have this conversation, and And I thank you for your time. I do appreciate mm-hmm. it. And uh, if there's anything you want to leave the young people with about... The nature of work these days, and going and getting a job, whether in the food service industry or anywhere else, how do we sum it up, Jimmy? Do we say get the hell off the phone? What what what's the
0: butcher? The... When you wait for all you young kids out there, let me tell you, the world does not revolve around you. Just to let you know, and there are really great, there are really really great kids out there, really 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 good people out there, but. The phone goes away. You're not being paid to be on your phone. There's nothing you need to know. You need to focus. You need to be present in your job you're being paid to do. That's the best, you know.
1: There you go. That's all I can
0: say is be present and do your job and learn. And, you know, it may not be something you want to do forever, but you know what? If you want to work, if you're going into the workforce, there are things that are expected of you, and your parents are not going to be there. To bail you out and take care well you know unless you want to live with them the rest of your life and a lot of these kids are going to live with their parents the rest of their life but but just just figure it out kids and I would add your phone does not belong at work
1: I would add one thing to that when you get really fed up and really tired just pull down your pants, show your ass, and walk away.
0: And walk okay? out the door. It's so cathartic, bud. Yeah. And I, it is. It really is. <laughs> if you can laugh, and Fritz, you are married to one of the most positive, wonderful human beings, and she's the person who has always got me through things in life with her attitude yeah she's uh, yeah. the person no, no matter how bad i ever felt she's the one who could always make me laugh and look at the good things in life and chris good stuff is going to happen it is going to happen to you bud. we don't know why this happened but it did but you know you're going to be fine you guys are going to be fine thank you, you really are
1: and you're right i, you you know, I you married Alan. i married you're the right such person a
0: fantastic writer dude oh thank you um and uh, you, it's, it's it, it. You know, I'm sorry, but I'm a huge believer. Everything happens for a reason. You know, it may not always be a good reason, right? Um, but, you know. I, <laughs> I mean, I wish I could give you know like the positive part of it, but hey, you never know. I mean, you don't know.
1: No, I, I listen. I I'm coming around to that position as well. I think what I was doing couldn't be sustained. I mean, I did it as long as I could. Mm-hmm. It came to an end through no agency of mine, and that's part of the thing. Is that I. I had to stop putting the blame on myself and stop feeling guilty about that gig ending because right. I did everything right. I could to make it last and to sustain it, and it just wasn't going to happen. I'm, I wasn't the decision maker; it was out of my hands. Right. So, right. I think you know, I'm. And that's I'm, a very,
0: uh, that's a very hard thing. That's a very hard thing to deal with. But when you look, when you think in the grand scheme of things, Chris, we have no say in anything. We really don't. Right. Yeah. You know, we don't. We can make it. We can. The best planners, and we can you know do everything we're supposed to do, but and the you know we have no control. Well,
1: listen, <laughs> as, the Sto- as, as the stoics like to say, and I, I I'm trying to be more stoic in my old age. As the stoics like to say, you can only play your part. You know, there's a lot of other right. things that are going right. to go on around you that you have no influence over, that you cannot impact, but all you can do is play your part. So I, I thank you, Jimmy, for spending some time with me on Job well, thank Story. thank you, Chris. Take
0: care. <laughs> Talk to you soon. And, and you're, you're going to do good. You're going to do well.
1: And please bring me more French fries when you get a chance.
0: <laughs> All right, dude. <laughs> so Take long. You, my love to, give him oh. my love to Missy. <laughs> I will.
1: And uh, there we go. Jimmy Putnam, All-American, here on Job Story, spending some time with me. Thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> bye-bye.
0: Yep, bye-bye. Another cup of jam-o. You must like our coffee. It stinks. I notice you're drinking your seventh cup. I like your sugar.
1: That was Jimmy Putnam, All-American, talking about his long career in the food service industry. If you've got any great food service industry job stories, send them to me at jobstorypod at gmail.com. You can also submit it there on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash pod. That's job story number 10. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget Job Story available not only in iTunes and through Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, but now in a whole bunch of places, including Google Play, Google Podcasts, on Pippa at pippa.io slash public slash shows slash job story. This will all be in my newsletter. By the way, sign up, send me an email, jobstorypod at gmail.com. I'll sign you up for the See You Next Tuesday newsletter. But also available now on Stitcher, on Spotify, and yes, YouTube. So there are lots more places to listen to Job Story. And I do appreciate you listening to this show. And thanks to everybody who helped me out with this week's program, including Jimmy Putnam and you, sweet tea you're everything to me. And uh, I'll see you next week here on Job Store. Raj, I'm in here recording. Why you gotta re- interrupt me, Raj. Roger, how am I supposed to do this? Raj, you can't have an audio book with a cat crying halfway through. I'm telling What's the matter, Raj? Raj? come here. Roger. what do you want to say to the people?
0: Come on, Roger. Suppose you tune in next week to see if I'm still on the job. Roger,
1: can I finish this? Thank you.